What up, world? It's your past first point guard and Blazer beat writer. You're listening to another episode of Lockdown Blazers, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. Today's episode is the final installment of the Locked On Blazers countdown to training camp. We're dedicating a full episode to every player on the roster and giving you a brief but thorough look at what they'll bring to the team this season. We'll look at how they performed last season, we'll talk best case and worst case scenarios for the upcoming year, and we'll finish the episode off with a discussion of expectations and likely role. This is our 14th and final installment of the countdown to training camp, so if you've missed any, every player on the roster is available in a bite-sized audio format in your podcast feed. Check it out there and start catching up today. Last but not least, certainly not least, we're rounding out the countdown with Damian Lamont Ali Lillard. Let's talk about his 2018-19 season right now. Year 7 for Dame, pretty good. Played in 80 games, averaged 25.8 points on 44% shooting from the field, 36.9% from 3, and 91.2% from the free throw line. He added 4.6 rebounds, 6.9 assists, and 1.1 steals per game. This is a career high in both rebounds and assists. He was an all-star for the second straight season and the fourth time in his career. He finished sixth in the MVP voting, his third straight year landing in the top eight of that award voting, and he earned second-team All-NBA honors, his second straight year that he's been an All-NBA performer. Dame had eight 40-point games, including two during the first five games of the season, and later dropped 51 on the Thunder in March. He was good right away and consistent throughout. He's basically been a lock for 25-6 and for four straight seasons. It's kind of the mark of what Dame makes him so special. And he was dependable early and often in 2018-19. He missed one game with an injury against the Hawks, where CJ got his triple-double. So, you know, maybe it was uh, good, good for him to miss it. And then he sat out to rest in the infamous Game 82, when the Blazers rested everyone and the entire landscape of the NBA changed. Shout-out to Anthony Simons and Scalabas year. But for me, the most impressive part of Dame's regular season was after C.J. McCollum went down with a knee injury in March. The general consensus was that Dame was going to have to put the Blazers on his back and kind of drag them to the finish line. And he did. Absolutely. Just not in the way that most expected. Instead of putting up 40 a night and turning into Allen Iverson's modernized reincarnation, he was more supercharged John John Stockton. He was really hands-on, as you'd expect, but it meant increasing his assist numbers. He dished out nine a game after CJ went down, up from about seven during the rest of the season. The first game CJ missed, Dame had 15. And then three other nights while CJ sat out, over he missed 10 games, Dame had 12, other, had 12 in three other games. He also had a 10-assist night. He was just orchestrating the offense more deliberately and more aggressively without C.J. McCollum. And instead of just saying, I'm going to rely on what I do best and score, 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 he read the game, understood the game, and just played smarter. But where Lillard's brilliance was most obvious was the playoffs. For all the things he did to get to the Blazers into the postseason, what he did once they arrived was what really set this season apart. In the opening round against the Oklahoma City Thunder, he averaged 33 points, 4.4 rebounds, and 6 assists. He shot 48% from beyond the arc in the series. His Game 5 performance in the closeout game of the series was a masterpiece, but he set the tone early. His his very first shot of the playoffs was a deep three-pointer. 
He knew what he was doing and knew what he came to do. He had 30 in game one, 29 in game two, 24 and eight in game four, and then the big one. And listen, if, you, if you're listening to this, you know what the big one is. But we got to spend a little time on it because it's one of the great moments in franchise history. In game five at the Moda Center, Dame delivered one that you won't forget. He had 50.7 rebounds and six assists. He made 10 three-pointers. And the last one, well, let's listen to it. Tied at 115, crowd rising to the feet. George will defend Lillard, spread floor. Lillard with 47 tonight, working it down to two to one, a deep three. Oh! What? Blazers win the series, a walk-off three from Lillard. And then he waved goodbye to OKC, both literally because he stared down Russell Westbrook and waved him goodbye as Westbrook left the building, and figuratively because that shot kind of ushered out this era of Oklahoma City basketball. They decided to trade away Russell Westbrook, trade away Paul George, and start over. Without that 37-footer, I don't think that happens. At least, not that quickly. Dame wasn't as good after that. Either from physical or mental exhaustion that he expended to oust Westbrook and the Thunder so emphatically. In the final 11 games of the playoffs, he shot under 40% from the field, 32% from the three-point range. Against Denver, especially, it wasn't that he was bad. He still averaged 25-5-6 and and had 32 points in a season-saving Game 6 win. It's just that he wasn't nearly as sharp as he was in the opening round. He went from towering inferno to regular brush fire, and that transition was obvious. In the Western Conference Finals, he was bottled up by the Warriors. Uh, the Blazer fans retreated to the familiar sight of Draymond Green ruining their season, lurking as a third line of defense, and leaving Lillard with nowhere to go, even if he did snake past two Warriors defenders sent to curtail his attacks and Harry's three-point attempts. In fact, there were times during the games when Dame would spot Draymond work, lurking as that third line of defense and say, screw it, I'm not even going to try it. But the season shouldn't necessarily be remembered by struggling against um, this Warriors team. Uh, It's certainly part of the narrative and we have to discuss it, but it should be remembered by this is probably Dame's best season as a pro taken altogether. He's been consistent as they come and he was right there again in his regular season production. He was brilliant in the opening round of the playoffs. He was pretty good when it mattered in big moments against Denver to kind of win win the series, even if he wasn't the Blazers' best player by any means. And what that meant was the the Blazers committed a bunch of money to him. They gave him the Supermax. $196 million contract extension over the next four seasons. It kicks in in the 21-22 season and keeps him in Portland until at least the summer of 2024, and more likely the summer of 2025, assuming Damian Lillard picks up a $54 million player option at the end of that deal. This is the type of thing where maybe you say it's too much money at the back half of the contract, but Dame's taken care of the Blazers and been as loyal to them as he possibly can. This was a time for them to reciprocate that respect. They gave him the money. They want him to be here. They want him to retire as a Blazer. This pretty much assures that he will go down as the greatest Blazer in history, at least statistically speaking. So what's next? 
for old Damian Lillard and the Blazers. That's what I want to talk about in the next segment. What's the worst case and best case scenario for his eighth season with the team? A new supporting cast, same sidekick. What's it going to look like? Before we get there, I want to tell you guys about DoorDash. Long day at work? Still stuck at the office? Treat yourself to the meal you deserve and have your favorite restaurants come to you with DoorDash. Right now, my listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code LOCKEDON. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N on the DoorDash app. Check it out. Okay, we went through Damian Lord's 2018-19 regular season. For my money, his best one yet. Well, best season yet. Maybe not his best regular season. That probably happened the year before if you want my take. But next, we are talking best case scenario. So this is best case scenario within reason for Damian Lillard and without injury. We're talking about what happens on the court. So what's the best case scenario for Damian Lillard? It's that he becomes the first Blazer to win the MVP award since 1978. The best case for Damian Lillard is that this is the season it all comes together. The complimentary pieces that they've put around him push the Blazers to the top of the Western Conference and his consistency stays where it is and even takes another level. Another season of 25 and 6, except this year it's 27 and 8 and the Blazers win 58 games and at the end of the year, Dame's the MVP. Now, the way the NBA does it, he won't win MVP till June, but you know what I'm saying. The best case for Damian Lillard kind of looks like a lot like his past seasons. Maybe he shoots a little better from three. Maybe he finishes a little better around the rim. But he only would have to improve a little bit in the margins, and the team would have to improve by six wins or so, and then he's an MVP. The best case for Damian Lillard is that it all coalesces. Not that he takes some massive jump. Not that he's significantly better and an all-level defender. He probably doesn't, or all-world defender. He probably doesn't need to be that to be an MVP candidate. In fact, he's already been among the people, among the guys people vote for MVP every year. He's in the conversation. But the best case scenario was that he's not in the conversation. He is the conversation. The best case for Damian Lord is that by the end of this season, you say, yep, He's the best Blazer of all time, and he has a little trophy to back it up. What's the worst case scenario for Damian Lillard? Well, it's not a big change statistically. I don't think he's going to take a... There's a big drop-off coming. In fact... He's earned the benefit of the doubt with his consistency and the way he's played over the last four seasons post-Lamarcus Aldridge. He's he's still in his physical prime. The worst case is still a pretty good year, but it's maybe that the pieces don't necessarily fit around him and the little things he needs to clean up don't quite get there. He still hovers around 36-37% from three. He still struggles a little bit to finish around the rim. Maybe he doesn't shoot as well from the free throw line or get there as often. And the worst case scenario is that he misses out on the all-star game because he's not quite there. The worst case for Damian Lillard is the best case scenario for 95% of the league. Certainly a clean 90. He's still going to be very good. 
But the worst case for Damian Lord is that he can't pull this new group of Blazers to the same heights that he pulled the old group. The worst case for Damian Lord is that we realize he misses Al Farouk Aminu and misses Mo Harkless, and that while his counting number production looks the same, the win totals don't look the same. And that's the strange thing for star players, is that while their legacies often go down with how counting numbers work, you say at the end of the season, well, he averaged 25 points a game seven straight years, or excuse me, end of his career, you start counting up. Seven straight years, ten straight years, he was he was this good, he made this many all-star games, he did these things. But in the moment, in in the much sort of smaller lens, the tighter lens, if the Blazers are a fringe playoff team this year, that reflects bad on Damian Lillard. That's a worst-case scenario for Dame, because it would suggest that maybe he's not that good, or not as good as he was. It can, a similar year from him, and a worse year from the team overall, can start to look like a worst-case scenario. The worst case for Damian Lillard is that he's good, even really good, but he's not quite great. Now we reach to what I affectionately call caveat corner. This is the uh, part of the worst case, best case section where I tell you that those are the polls. The best case scenario being what it is. The best case. The far pole of, of reasonable production. An MVP level season. And the worst case being that opposite pole. And most guys, particularly those like Dame in their physical primes, are likely to land somewhere in the middle. But, like I said with C.J. McCollum, and I feel even stronger about this with Dame, the difference in best case and worst case is incredibly tight. I think Dame is pretty much a lock for 26, 4, and 6. Even if you think he had a good year or a bad year, he's putting those numbers out. That's what the dude does. He just turns it out. But the real test for him this year will be whether his leadership can bring up a new group of guys. The Blazers have leaned on continuity a lot in the past. The same starting group, basically, since 2015. They don't have that group anymore. And beyond that, he doesn't have Yusuf Nurkic, a guy who he really did take under his wing and nurture him to be his absolute best self. Dame got the most out of Nurk, even if it's the Blazers who got more out of Nurk than the Nuggets. It was really Dame's magic that did it. And this year he'll have another test with Hassan Whiteside. Now, Hassan Whiteside isn't 24. He's Dame's peer. They're about the same age, almost exactly. But the test is, can how Dame carries himself and what he does bring a guy like Whiteside forward? If there's not a lot of drop-off there, the Blazers are going to have a really good season. So that's what I mean by his Dame's best case and worst case is really tight. Production-wise, you kind of know what he's going to do. But the difference in whether you think he and the Blazers had a good year or he and the Blazers had a bad year is kind of going to be his soft skills. The things that we don't see, the things that we can't quantify. Now, I think it would be unfair to me to make some sort of prediction about well, uh, here, I don't, you know, Dame's going to be a good leader. Dame's going to be a bad leader. I don't know. I don't know how that stuff works behind the scenes. I don't see it. Or even if I do see it, I still have trouble quantifying in any way. You know, even if I literally see Dame pull Hassan Whiteside to the side or pull Rodney Hood to the side and, and give him a pep talk and get them to focus and all those things. 
It's hard for me to quantify it in a way and say, well, if he didn't do that, this would have happened. But I'm going to bet on him being engaged and trying to do it. So I tend towards more thinking that Dame ends up in the direction of his best case scenario, even if he doesn't win the MVP. And if he ends up towards his worst case scenario, he's still going to average 26, 6, and 4. So who am I to, who am I to complain? All right, final segment. We're going to talk about reasonable expectations for this season. We did best case, worst case. Now we want to talk about real, real, real expectations. I kind of touched on it a little bit, but I want to be, uh, I want to close up talking about what this season should look like for Damian Lillard in year eight. All right, still Mike Richmond, still locked on Blazers. We're still talking Damian Lillard. We talked about his 2018-19 season. We talked about best case and worst case scenarios. Now, I want to talk about role and expectations. I think this section is a little more... It's I built this section out to talk about the new guys. To talk about what Rodney Hood's role is going to be. What Mario Hazonia's role is going to be. How Pau Gasol fits into it. When I was creating these player previews over the final month of the offseason, I wasn't really thinking about Damian Lillard. Because we know Damian Lillard's role. He's going to start at point guard, in case you're confused. He's probably going to play 75 games, because he does it every year. And like I said last segment, if he has a bad year, he's going to average 26-6-4. And and if he has a good year, he's going to average 26-6-4. But the role for Dame changes this year. In that, instead of relying on a familiar group and having Al Farouk Aminu who knows the system and Mo Harkless who knows the system and Yusuf Nurkic who's incredibly bought into the system, it's a whole new group. And it isn't just the newcomers and the and the Hassan Whiteside's bad attitude that, that I think will test Damian Lillard's leadership. Because that's really what his role is. It's leader of this franchise. He's the guy that four years ago in a sort of innocuous question about uh, scoring 30 points in a loss to the Warriors said that he wanted Terry Stotts to be his coach as long as he's in Portland. Well, Terry Stotts keeps getting extended because Dame's still here. He's the leader of the franchise. And the leader of the franchise isn't just the guy who makes Rodney Hood feel his best and makes brings out the best of Hassan Whiteside, the most effortful and most aggressive version of Whiteside, most engaged version of Hassan Whiteside. He's also the guy that gets Anthony Simons ready. And I think the some of the biggest tests for Dame this year will be getting the guys who, not necessarily the veterans, I think Pau Gasol knows how to play basketball. He'll be ready to go. Kent Bazemore knows how to be a role player. He'll be ready to go. But Amphrey Simons is stepping into a new massive role. How much has Dame prepared him for this? And when things get a little bit rocky for Anthony, how can Dame help him navigate those waters? When Zach Collins, who's being thrust into a major minute role this season, likely as a starting power forward and certainly as someone who plays north of 30 minutes a night, when he has the struggles, how does Dame help Zach? 
That's the role he has this year. It's not just assaging bad personalities or massaging bad personalities, excuse me, or uh, getting guys to find their happy place. It's guiding young guys through rough patches. Because the Blazers can't afford for Zach Collins to have a bad month. Maybe a bad couple games, but certainly not a bad month. And they really can't afford Anthony Simons to not be ready to ride. You know, he can take a little bit slower because they have other guards, but they need him to be ready to go by Christmas and ready to play every night from then on out. So Dame's role this season is what his role's been for five straight years on this team. It's to be the leader, be the captain, be the... All of those things that he does, the emotional leader the um, and the physical leader, the guy who goes out and leads the team on the court and then sets the tone off of it. But I think this season will test him the most because it's all these new parts and two young guys who the Blazers have put a lot of faith in and thus put a lot of faith in Dame to lead them to the right spots. So Dame's role is the same. He's the captain. I don't think the Blazers do a little C on his chest, but the dude's wearing one. Certainly in the figurative sense. The NBA season for at least this podcast's intents and purposes begins Monday with Blazers Media Day. I'll have audio from that, all of the sort of um, big story, little story type of things that come out of Media Day. And then it starts. Blazers open practice the following day. They'll have two days all week and a fan fest scrimmage on Sunday. Then on October 8th, preseason begins in earnest. A real fake game. I'm excited for the NBA season, guys. I'm excited to grow this podcast with you, and I need your help to do that. So tell your friends about Locked on Blazers. Tell them they can find it on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. If you enjoy it, they will too. That's how we're growing it. Tell one friend, they'll tell one friend. We'll keep the Lockdown Blazers train chugging along. I really appreciate you guys listening. I'll talk to you soon.